On today's episode of Give First, we have Jay Lee. He is the founder of 12 Labs, a super exciting AI-based company that can pull information out of videos. Just raised five million bucks from Index, Radical, Expa, and Techstars, of course, after graduating Techstars Seattle. We're going to learn about focusing on customers, not technology. We're also going to learn how to pick your MD if you're thinking of applying to a Techstars program. We're going to learn a bit about the Korean startup community, so stay tuned. Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Give First podcast. I've got an exciting one today. You know, often we talk to mentors in the system or entrepreneurs that have had big exits, but I really wanted to do a few episodes with entrepreneurs that have been through the Accelerator program more recently and are having some awesome early success. Today's guest is Jay Lee, who is founder and CEO at 12 Labs, which is a really exciting company that went through the Techstars Accelerator program in Seattle subsequently went on to, so far, raise $5 million from Index Ventures and Radical Ventures and Expa and, of course, Techstars. It's all about multimodal neural networks, so that's a fun thing to learn about. I don't really understand that, so I'm looking forward to learning that. And we want to learn how Jay went from being an intern at places like Samsung and Amazon to suddenly, maybe after a, a little bit of cyber ops command in the Republic of Korea, to founding a company and how that happened. Welcome, Jay. Thanks for having me, David. Tell us a little bit about that background. I was looking at sort of where you're coming from. I'm curious how it led you to creating a company based on your early experiences. So I went to Cal, uh, UC Berkeley, computer science major, doing regular things, going after the fan companies. That's what I did. You know, worked at Amazon for a couple months. And then for Koreans, like just like Israelis, uh, we do have to serve in the military. It's mandatory. And I think me and my co-founders, we were fortunate enough to bear the keyboards instead of rifles. So we were able to join the Korean Cyber Operations Command. And it was really fun because all of our co-founders were in the same squad. And it was basically like startup for two years. During our times spent in military, we just had to deal with a lot of video data for military purposes. And the team kind of just stuck together even after the military times and just kept on pushing to make video searchable. So that's our background in a nutshell. <laughs> Is that where the idea for 12 Labs came from? Was that experience in working on the cyber defense stuff? Absolutely. Military guys are very simple-minded <laughs> sometimes. So, you know, one of our tasks was to just basically index the entire dark web. The reason why we were indexing the dark web was to see whether there's something that could indicate like a cyber threat attempt or something like that to Seoul and Korea. And while indexing, we've noticed there's just so much video data. And most of them were not very pleasant. And we, we wanted to filter out what matters and what didn't matter. Um, 
Right. And it was just a pain in the butt process to actually get that to work. Well, we were working to get it to work, but our time was up in the military. But it got to work a little bit, but definitely needed something better. Got it. So, so 12 labs help people understand that. To me, it's pretty cool, awesome tech. It uses AI to analyze video in different ways. And as your website says, you know, it's, it's much more than just figuring out what objects are in there. How is that useful to customers? How does it work? Tell us a little bit about the tech. In a nutshell, I think images and texts have been infrastructural data for the internet. And a lot of our AI tech have been developed around those data formats. But now we think that video is really literally eating the text and, and image. And back in military time, we just couldn't get the object detection things to actually work and make the machines understand video just through running a couple object detection algorithms on frames. That doesn't really work. What we've realized was, hey, video is going to be everywhere. It's already everywhere. It's going to explode. Is there a new neural network architecture that we can use or create to have machines fully understand videos? And what this means to customers is that better content moderation, better content recommendation, better summary generation, and better content discovery, right? Because you are not limited to the tags anymore. And we can go a little deeper into the tech, but what our infrastructure does is it takes videos and transforms that video into what's called video vectors or video embeddings. It's basically a list of floating digit numbers that contain all the semantics and information about that video content. And these embeddings are super powerful for things like search, highlight generation, and things like that. And we've seen something very similar in the large language model space with OpenAI's GPT-3 and, and things like that. So we wanted to take that approach to video. Got it. Yeah. And so neural networks, I've been hearing that term for 20 years. I even worked on it a little bit uh, around that time myself when I was a terrible programmer. <laughs> and that's been something that people have talked about forever. You know, an AI, of course, everybody and their, their brother and their sister is talking about AI and their startup. And I know one of the things that startups like yours face is when they start talking about neural networks or artificial intelligence, the first thing customers or investors say is, well, is that real? Because everybody says that. How, how did you sort of work through that challenge as a company to sort of demonstrate to others that the tech is, is actually very deep and very real? So we had a pretty killer demo ready. So the type of semantic search that we offer I guess, hasn't been in the market, right? So we're proud to say we're actually building a new category of video infrastructure. Well, it really makes sense, right? Like Google works, YouTube works, and we do control F for, for documents. Why can't we describe a scene that we want to find within a video? It just sounds very intuitive, but we haven't seen such technology. And when, you know, a lot of our customers are definitely video centric, either they're providing video infrastructure for enterprise usage or for you know their end users, video editing platform and things like that, right? And when they see our demo, their eyes kind of open up. Oh my God, this is real. We definitely had a very um, powerful demo. But then, as you said, everyone does AI <laughs> nowadays and they ask, are you better than like YouTube search or are you better than like Azure or AWS, right? As a small company, that has the technical chop to develop your proprietary neural network, they still lack credibility unless the founders are 10, 20 plus years of experience, PhDs, right? But there are some workarounds to getting that credibility. I think 12 Lab did a pretty 
smart job of doing that. We can talk a little more about that if you want. <laughs> couple awards you've, you've won as well, right? I mean, you sort of had some independent people saying, wow, this is really, really interesting. Through the Techstars experience in, in Seattle and then, you know, post-accelerator, you know, obviously you, you had some success with, with some great investors. You know, this is the gift for a show. So we want to help people listening understand, you know, maybe the type of benefits they can get out of Techstars. So maybe talk a bit about your Techstars experience, how that helped with your, your sort of fundraising and helped sort of get the company moving. Yeah, absolutely. So we have five co-founders, four dudes. We're all engineers, right? And we have Soyoung, who's doing this step, but we didn't know what it meant to actually start a company. We just had a really cool prototype of our video search and, you know, expanding, seeing the true potential of what we can do with the video search. We had a pretty limited scope. And Isaac, Isaac Cottel from, from Techstar Seattle, you know, he's recently helped Mighty AI, which is a computer vision company, and they successfully had a, had an exit. And it's really hard to find the type of mentor that has taken a computer vision company and turned it into a successful business. I think as a person in the AI community, I think I love to see more of AI companies actually succeed, uh, instead of just burning through cash. But, you know, Isaac was a perfect guy and when he saw our prototype, he knew we had something out of the world, but he wasn't settling, right? And we just delved straight into customer discovery. So tell me about your customers. What's your ICP, right? And we couldn't really answer because we were just heads down building the technology and didn't really think about who should we talk to? Who can we sell it to? So Isaac just stopped us from building out even more and, and made us talk to like 300 customers, potential customers. So that, that really got us into thinking about what, what value can video search actually provide to customers and really helped us guide this company, how we should think about AI plus building out an innovative tech. But at the same time, innovation is an innovation if nobody uses it, right? So that was super, super helpful for us, just building out good foundation for running a business in general. So. When people are looking at applying to a Techstars Accelerator, sometimes one of the questions they get is, you know, there's 50 of them around the world that happen a couple of times a year. Like, which one do I pick? And I think it sounds like you did some work on the managing director and sort of what they had in their background. Of course, they're on mentor networks in each program. So, the, you know, the programs do run the same way, but they have different people involved. And, you know, business is all about the people. So I think it's good advice to kind of look at the programs that you think will help you the most based on either the corporate partners or the MDs. and then. Sounds like Isaac really and, and that team really focused you on customers. You had the tech, you know, who are the customers and really understanding that. Did that help you sort of, as you went out in the market to fundraise, have a clear story around what you're trying to accomplish? Absolutely. I think, you know, to that point, we really think about Isaac as one of the co-founders, right? So it's on founders to do your research, right? I mean, Techstars is amazing, full of managing directors, but there are folks that could be more relevant to your business than others. So we did our research on that. And also just talking to Isaac on a weekly basis. Also, like he uh, made so much time for us because um, I was paranoid since we only had prototype and it felt like other cohort members had, you know, already had initial traction and whatnot. But I think Isaac was kind enough to spend a little extra time with us to make sure that, that we feel safe and we feel confident going forward. But yeah, so storytelling was very important, right? Engineers are pretty bad at storytelling. We, we weren't. No, we, uh, come on. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I was, I was, I was so, so great at storytelling, but it was about why our product mattered and who we are targeting, right? Having that crisp idea of why you're building, who you're targeting, it was super important. And I think we've practiced at least like 20 times <laughs> with Isaac throughout the program to get the, get the pitch right and prepare for the demo day. Yeah, I mean, people sometimes say that there's so much focus on the story and the pitch. You probably spend a month of the three months really focused on that. And the bottom line is it helps and, and, it, and it works. I think humans do business and humans love stories and they love to understand things easily and they love to get excited about it. And clearly that worked for you. You just announced a $5 million round, I think, from Index Ventures, Radical Ventures, Expo, Techstars, and others, I think. Talk about the fundraising environment today from your perspective as a founder. Obviously, there's a lot of capital out there. Valuations creeped up. They're, they're sort of, as we record this, coming back down to earth. It's a pretty sort of nice environment generally. But what were your experiences with fundraising after the accelerator? And, and what advice would you have for founders today as they think about that? So you're absolutely right. There's just so much capital, right? And also there's just so many investors looking to deploy their capital. And again, this goes back to having this weeklies with Isaac. And we wanted to make sure that we didn't get swayed by the growing market or the, the amount of capital that's out there, right? We didn't want to just rashly go out there and get cash, right? We wanted to build out the initial traction that we think it was meaningful because that's hell of a lot better than just going out there thinking that there's just so much money, like there will be some out there for me. We didn't think about the whole venture capital scene, even that for a good two, three months after the program, we were thinking about, you know, what can we add to our traction? And then I think founders should be more focused about, because if you're building traction, there will be money and there will be really amazing investors out there who, who believe in what, what you build. Traction needs to come first, right? For us, it was about winning this international competition and working with our handful of initial customers to see whether video search is sticky or not, right? And then the whole fundraising kind of started really naturally. We didn't go out there and said, hey, 12 laps is fundraising right now. Um, I think the scene has changed a little bit. I think like maybe two years ago, it was like a norm for a startup to um, kind of announce that they're fundraising for this period of time, right? But I think now that the capital's been increased dramatically, I think it's a good idea for founders to heads down building traction, but also meet some of the investors who actually has thesis around the business that you're building. Like a casual 15, 20-minute chat here and there is good with building relationship. But for 12 Labs, the fundraising part just kind of happened like very naturally. And it was inbound. We had amazing investor just coming in inbound because they had a strong thesis around video search. And we were there. It is amazing to have tech that's that's very unique and very valuable. And this is a holy grail problem, as I call it. I've been thinking about this problem for 20 years, too. And it's I've seen lots of attempts at it. It's hard. So we're getting to that point with AI and machine learning that we're sort of approaching being able to do this stuff. And you're demonstrating that. But gosh, there's so much value to be unlocked with tech like this. So Jay, as a recent graduate of TechSort Accelerator, I'm already hearing stories about how much fun it was to work with you as a mentor, but also that you're sort of giving back to the community. So when you think about this idea of give first in the context of Techstars or elsewhere, what's impacted you? How have you encountered sort of give first from the context of 12 Lab? I think what's really powerful about Techstars community is 
it makes sense that your managing director gives first, that your program manager gives first, but having all your mentors give first, I think it's a quite an achievement. And we've had our mentors, one of them, Zhang Paoli, he's the CEO of Dakidani. And from the beginning, he saw us as younger version of him and you know, even after Mentor Madness, we are having bi-weeklies. This has been going for a year now, right? And from hearing his perspective and, and having him involved into thinking about 12 labs and the direction that we're going, getting constant feedback and knowing that I can just text him or call him at night is super, super powerful. And, and he did all of that without any expectation. It's hard to find people like that in the world. And... As our way of giving back, John actually invested in 12 Labs as well in this round. I thought that was pretty cool. But I'm also trying to do what John did for us to the Techstar Seattle community because I know how painful it is to have an idea, have a prototype, but actually turning it into business as a technical founder is rough and it's daunting. So I try to be active in finding these founders and just share my story and let them know that there are folks out there and there's me so you can always talk to me it's incredible that these founders the amount of support that mentors can give to these founders it's immense right it doesn't have to be direct result or or things like that but just having your mentality prepared for investors meeting or or your first customer call right so i know what it feels like and i'm trying to uh, provide the same value to the current founders in the cohort. That's awesome. I mean, that's one of the things that I'm most proud of being one of the founders of Techstars itself is just watching that happen over and over again, right? People get so much value from mentors and then they decide they want to give back to the next wave or next generation. And people can't see you here. You're, you're relatively young. You're not a gray haired, you know, super experienced, right? Doing this for 50 years person, but, but yet you're already giving back. And I think that's, that's an important thing for people to understand is I, I don't want people to get confused about the idea of a mentor has to know everything. But you probably know something, right, that's really valuable to to people that you're going to encounter and just sharing what you know and being willing to say, I don't know about that other thing, but I may have a network that I can get you to, to some knowledge on that other thing. That is very powerful and it can literally take five minutes, right? Just being open to getting an email. Hey, you know, how did you figure out how to create a belief that your AI was real? And you say, hey, I did this podcast. You should listen. Here's how we did it. Right. That can be really, really helpful to other founders going through that. So this is why we create this show. And it's so cool to see you you giving back in that same way. Awesome. I want to switch uh, modes a little bit. Your company is 12 Labs based in San Francisco, but you have offices in, in Seoul as well. I think you have a bunch of developers there. I'd like to understand, you know, your thoughts on the startup scene in South Korea. What's going on there? You mentioned Israel earlier. It's an interesting analogy, right? Because the the sort of really smart people work in defense there and born out of that have been lots of cool technologies I can think of from Israel off the top of my head. Things like ICQ or, or Waze, right? And I'm sure many others, but it's sort of that necessity, right, of being really good with technology for defense has, has impacted them. And I think it may be the same in, in South Korea with North Korea being so close by and other threats, obviously. So, you know, what's happening there? Is it a similar uh, type of modality, you know, and how is the startup scene evolving today? Yeah, I think the South Korean startup scene, startup environment is exploding. I think what's unique about Korea is. The government is very active in finding sectors to 
to subsidize and, and help grow. And a handful of them includes, you know, AI, blockchain, and startup. We've seen, you know, all these gigantic, you know, Korean companies like Samsung. Those companies were actually really built heavily by the government or with the help of government subsidy. I think the Korean government does a really good job identifying like where to back, where to put cash into. But also just what we've noticed is like the smartest engineers, smartest folks actually they quit their job and join startups, right? Because we've recently seen a huge success in Coupon or Sandbird, the Korean founder-led company, succeed. So booming venture capital and booming government grants to really back technical founders build meaningful business. At a mature stage, I think, whereas a couple of years back, it was more about, you know, let's try a bunch of things or let's try to like spray and see, right? Uh, but now I think, you know, the government and also the Korean venture capital scene have matured to identify and really identify trends to make this work. And what we've also noticed is that the fund size is also increasing rapidly. So it's super exciting to see. And, and it's super, super exciting for 12 labs that we were kind of sitting in between the US and Korea and there's just so much opportunity in both countries now. We recently had a visit here in Boulder from the folks from KAIST, the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. They were saying the same thing, right? Lots of really you know, interesting focus because it's obviously there's a lot of government sort of run things, which in a lot of cases makes it harder because you really want it to be entrepreneur led. But they seem to get that and they seem to understand that that's a sort of transition to allowing the entrepreneurs to really try to lead. And, and it's not just all about the sort of government support, but it's it's a blend, obviously, in today's environment. So when you think about others like yourself that maybe are involved in Korea and thinking about, oh, well, these global accelerator programs like Techstars, do you do you think it's a good idea to sort of get out of your home market and expand your horizons and your network? Or, you know, do you think that there's enough momentum and flow just at home now that people can really build amazing companies without that global connection? Uh, that's a really good question. It depends on the kind of business that you want to build, right? If you're targeting a consumer-facing product or, or business, I think Korea has a big enough market to get it going. We've seen Coupon, right? Coupon is the Amazon of Korea, and they started. Well, now they're expanding to different countries. But for companies like 12 Labs, just targeting. So our mission is to help developers around the world build programs that can see here and understand the world as we do by providing them this really powerful video understanding infrastructure via APIs. And for companies like 12 Labs that's doing B2B SaaS business, I think for us, it made sense to start out in the States, right? I think the developer environment and the culture is more fit, I guess, for us in the States than in Korea at, at this stage. But yeah, definitely. It really depends on the type of business that you want to build. Yeah. And then I think people like yourself hopefully go on to be really successful, come back and sort of integrate, you know, more, more capital, more, you know, know-how into the community. And that that's how it builds. And there are, of course, crossover opportunities, right? Techstars runs virtual programs that allow you to get some of that connectivity because not everyone can sort of pick up and, and, and do that. But, you know, I think thinking about global markets, right, one way or the other is probably an important thing for, for companies like you talked about that want to be uh, large, growing, and impactful. So 
Jay, awesome stuff. Congrats on 12 Labs and, and all the progress. And thanks for all you do kind of giving back to the alumni network. You're already doing that. And we're hearing about it. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much, David. Give first. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First.